today, my guest is Dr. Chuck Baldwin. He is a prolific writer whose articles and political commentaries are carried by a number of internet sites, newspapers, and news magazines nationally. The Constitution Party presidential candidate Michael Perutka in 2004 asked Dr. Baldwin to join him on the ticket as his vice presidential running mate. And in 2008, the Constitution Party elected Chuck Baldwin to be their presidential candidate. In 2010, Dr. Baldwin moved to Montana with his family, and they founded a new fellowship named Liberty Fellowship. This is a non-denominational, non-501c3 fellowship. Dr. Chuck Baldwin has preached in churches all over the United States and overseas, and I am pleased and honored to welcome Dr. Chuck Baldwin to the program today. Dr. Baldwin, welcome to Power of Prophecy. Thank you, Jerry. Good to be with you. Now, I, uh, I've i been on your email list for quite a while, and I, I love to read your articles, but you came up with one oh, a few weeks ago on the evangelicals pushing America towards atheism. And Now, during your days with the moral majority, did the evangelical leaders back then compromise the Christian principle so that they could be close to the seat of power? Yeah, you know, I was I was um, the executive director of the Florida Moral Majority. I was uh, with the Christian Coalition. I was a part of the so-called religious right back in the late 70s and all through the 80s. And going into the uh, George Bush first presidency that decade plus period of time i was intricately involved in in the religious right i, I was you know, i was there in the uh in in the planning sessions and in the strategy sessions i would name most of the movers and shakers of the evangelical leadership at that time and i knew them you know well and and Many of them had spoken in my church down in the, in the southeast, and I had shared the platform with, with many, if not most of them, from time to time. So I was, I was really uh, involved, and, and I got a chance to see everything from a, a firsthand insider perspective. And I was a young man at, at that time, and, and I was very much the junior fellow, and, and most of these guys that were that were leading this were men that were much older than I, of course, and so I was I was learning and watching from them. And at, at first, I was more than excited to be a part of it all. You know, I thought you know we were truly making history and we were making a difference in the country and and representing the values that we that we all believed in and so forth. And so I guess there was a certain amount of. Uh, boyish naivete about about the whole thing and as i went into the the meetings and as as we begin to progress through that that period of time at the time i was i was asking more questions than i was making accusations I, there were a lot of things that i saw that i didn't understand and i couldn't really figure it out 
was was it me? Was I misinterpreting? What was I actually seeing here? And I, there was a there was a several year period of time where I I had to seriously try to dissect this in my mind and and figure out exactly what I was seeing and and what was right and what wasn't right and 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 analyze it and it became obvious somewhere through that process that what I was seeing was for the sake of being close to power for the sake of having access to the president i.e. Ronald Reagan at, at that point for the sake of sitting at the king's table these great Christian men, as I perceived them to be, were compromising just about every great Christian principle that, that we all profess to believe. And at first I didn't want to believe that. I, I thought maybe I was exaggerating or maybe I didn't understand or maybe there was something, a strategy going on that I, I just wasn't privy to or, or whatever. You know, you make those kind of deductions and when, when you're when you're faced with something that challenges a, a, a fundamental presupposition, and but after time it just became more than obvious. And, and the, the big thing to me, and I won't go into detail, but whenever they they assisted the vice presidential appointment of, of George Bush Sr., at, at that point, point i there was no doubt left in my mind what what was happening so you're right i saw this during that period of time this is what we're seeing under donald trump is not new the only thing that i think is different about trump versus reagan or or bush one or two is that the fascination with Donald Trump has surpassed anything that I had ever seen during those early years. That this is something that I think is is really new for evangelical Christianity in our country, and I think it's absolutely dangerous. You know, the old story: selling your birthright for a mess of pottage. I think that's what the evangelical Christian community has done. They have sold their Christian birthright, their principles, their convictions for the mess of pottage of uh, sitting at Trump's table and being accepted by him and, and lauded by him, and etc. So this is a, a definite repeat of history, except I think it's taken it to a degree far greater than what was experienced uh, 30 years ago. Mm. Now, you mentioned in your article about Jimmy Carter, how he was the target of Jerry Falwell Sr. I can't say Jimmy Carter was a great president, but was he a, a, a Christian man? Jimmy Carter? Yes, sir. Well, he, he professes to be a, a born-again Christian, uh, always has. He's taught Sunday school for a Southern Baptist Church in Plains, Georgia, his hometown, for decades. In fact, he's, I think, 94 years of age now, and he's still teaching Sunday school. I have never read anything that would lead me to believe that Jimmy Carter has not had a 
a born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. He's, his testimony on that is pretty consistent. And um, I, I really don't know anyone that, that would, would adequately be able to challenge that. So, yes, I, th- I think he is. At least he professes to be. But Donald Trump, I wouldn't categorize him as a Christian, would you? No, I have never, never one time heard Donald Trump say that he knows Jesus Christ as Savior or that he's had a personal relationship with Christ. I've heard Donald Trump say things like he's never done anything that needs to be forgiven. You know, I've I've heard Donald Trump use the most blasphemous language coming out of his mouth. You know, David said in Psalms, thine enemies take thy name in vain. There's nothing, absolutely nothing in Donald Trump's character, his his communication, uh, his manners, his attitude that would lead me to believe that he has ever had a had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I agree completely. You mentioned that scores of people are abandoning the Christian church and are being led towards atheism, paganism. Can you give us an idea of what you believe is pushing these people towards that end? Yeah, that that's an amazing uh, amazing paradox, isn't it? Uh, you know, evangelical Christians that are supposedly working toward the salvation of, of unsafe folks, the Great Commission is supposed to be our marching orders, and that, that's been the focus of the evangelical church for as long as as I've known it to be, to exist, and and yet here we are during the Donald Trump years when evangelical Christians, unwittingly, I, I would say, are doing just the opposite. Instead of drawing people to Christ, they are pushing people away from Christ. And I use the the article after reading uh, the interview that Cliff Sims, who was a former Trump White House aide, had with the Christian Post. And in that interview, he said that he feared Trump-loving evangelicals are turning an entire generation away from Christianity. And he reckoned it to the the amorality and the immorality of, of President Trump. And they said he, he, his conclusion was that because Trump was, was so corrupt and immoral, that and and the closeness and and the love affair that evangelical Christians have with this man, that people outside of faith, people who see the corruption and the immorality of, of this president, and they see the way that Christians, evangelical Christians especially, are fawning over Trump and just adoring him and idolizing him, that that they are being turned away because of of that. And I think there's some legitimacy to that. And I went through the, the narrative in the, in the first part of the column that you're referring to, and I talk about that. I talk about how Jerry Falwell Sr., who was a personal friend of mine, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a graduate of the Liberty University, the first full graduating class in its history back in 1975. And uh, Jerry and I became friends. I traveled with him all over the world, literally. I, I've flown on his, on his private jet with him. We've spoken on 
the platform together several times, and you know we corresponded privately many many years. And so I was very close to Jerry. I was I was with him during all those years that that, that the book talks about. And I, I very distinctly remember when Falwell decided to start the Moral Majority, and and one of the things that he really went to went to war about politically was when Jimmy Carter, again, this self-professed born-again Christian, Southern Baptist Sunday school teacher, running for president, who grants a, an interview with Playboy magazine. And, of course, Jerry saw Playboy and the rest of the pornographic industry as destroying, rightly so, destroying the, the family and, and, a, and a, an assault against biblical morality and so forth. And so he... He had it called a, a press conference, you know, and, and came out strongly against that interview and said it compromised, you know, the, the Christian integrity of, of of our of our people, and you know, and that that became the impetus of of the rest of his political involvement. It, of course, it took off from there, but that was a, a major part of the launching of Moral Majority was that Playboy interview that uh, Jimmy Carter gave and, and with Jerry Falwell and the other religious right you know, attacked him for. And then, as I say, you know, the battle was on, politically speaking, of course. And, you know, that carried through with, with Clinton and all of his sexcapades and Monica Lewinsky and, and the corruption and the, in the you know, serial adulteries and, and so forth. So this this started during Carter, but then it it continued you know, during the Clinton years. And then, you know, you fast forward to 2016, and I, I quoted the article, 40 years after, this would be Jerry Sr.'s press conference denouncing Carter's Playboy interview, a very different scene unfolded. This one took place in New York, and it starred Jerry Falwell Jr., Jerry's oldest son, inheritor of the family business, Hours early, the younger Falwell had introduced the GOP presidential candidate Donald Trump to a massive gathering of Christian leaders, and he called him God's man, anointed to lead the nation, etc. The summit was a huge success. They celebrated back at Trump Tower. Falwell Jr. sought to document the occasion with a photo. Well, the future president stood in the middle, flanked by Falwell Jr. and his wife, Becky. And thumbs went up, the camera snapped. Falwell tweeted the photo with 60,000 followers. But here was one, one little hiccup. Lurking behind Becky Falwell's left shoulder, framed in gold, was a cover of Playboy magazine. Right. <laughs> graced by, who else? The bull-tied Donald Trump. And a smiling brunette, naked except for being covered by his tuxedo jacket. Uh, nothing seems to be able to so neatly encapsulate the religious rights backsliding as as Jerry Jr. giving a thumbs up in front of the very magazine his dad had singled out as symbolic of America's moral decay while standing shoulder to shoulder with a man who had appeared in a softcore porno flick, who had reportedly committed serial adultery with a bunch of women, including a Playboy model, a hardcore adult film actress, etc., etc. And, and yet all of that meant nothing and and so the the article by the interview by chris sims 
he believes that by embracing this this immoral reprobate Donald Trump, that evangelical right is is turning people away from from truth. And I, I believe there's that that's partially right. But in my article that you're referring to, I, I went on to say that. Well, I think there's merit to that. I didn't think that was the biggest reason why the evangelical Christian churches are are turning people away from away from Christ and away from truth. I, I believe there's a, a there's a bigger reason. And and the and the focus of my column after going through all that was, I believe the reason that people are turned off to the evangelical churches and are embracing paganism and atheism at ever-growing rates, and that's undeniable. Atheism and paganism has more support in America today than ever in our country's history, and it's growing more every single year. I mean, there is no question that the the paganization of, of, of America has begun in earnest. And a lot of it is because of the, of the way that people have been turned off to evangelical Christianity. But I think it's more than the embrace of an immoral president. I, I took it further, and, I, and Jerry, I said that I believe that what we have going on here is, like G.W. Bush before him, who professed to be a Christian, Donald Trump has proven himself to be nothing more than a neocon warmonger. Amen. I mean, this guy has dropped more bombs on more people since he became president in the first two years than Barack Obama did in the entire last four years of his administration. Donald Trump has expanded the wars, not only in the Middle East, and he's not withdrawing troops from Syria. He's he's withdrawing some of them, but not all of them by any stretch. He's not abandoning the Syrian theater. He's introducing private mercenaries into the the region to fight our, our unconstitutional wars. And he's continuing to threaten Russia, he's building military bases on Russia's border uh, in Poland. He's escalating tensions in the South China Sea with China. He's now taking war to South America, Central America, where he's he's now got thousands of troops surrounding Venezuela. Mm-hmm. We, uh, you know, we're threatening to take out not only uh, the Venezuelan leader but also the Nicaraguan leader. We are escalating war all over the world, and and as I said in my column, the only people, the only people in the United States that support and clamor for more war are Zionist neocons and evangelical Christians. Everybody else is sick of war. You know, they they are the the, the, more, the majority of the American people are just sick and tired of of U.S. forces being used as mercenaries for big oil. They're sick and tired of watching our country's future being borrowed and sold on the backs of both them and their posterity via trillions of dollars of national debt for war profiteers. They're sick of America's young men fighting in countries all over the world that they have absolutely no right or reason to be in. They're sick and tired of fighting wars for Israel. They're sick of it. They're, they're sick of war. And all this rhetoric notwithstanding, Donald Trump campaigned on, you know, getting us out of foreign entanglements, you know, and and not, not declaring war on everybody and all this stuff. Well, he's done just the opposite. Vice President Mike Pence, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Nikki Haley, these these are warmongers, and they all claim to be Christians. And they're all, you know, they say that Pompeo keeps an open Bible on his desk. 
you know, so these these people are heralded as, you know, the great virtuous Christian examples for everybody, and yet the the unsaved world, the unchurched world, and and many people in other religions like you know Presbyterian or Catholic or, or Methodist or whatever that would not be in the evangelical realm of Christianity. They they see these wars as anathema to being a Christian, a follower of the Prince of Peace. That that we we don't glorify war. We 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 glorify peace. We don't seek war. We seek peace. And Jesus is, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. And they have this, you know, then they see these evangelicals that are, you know, the Hagies and these television evangelists and. They're just clamoring for war, 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 war. And I really believe that's why the majority of non-Christians, or at least the non-churched country, are turning against evangelicalism and are turning against theism in general and are turning toward atheism and paganism. I think it's, it's this obsession with war by evangelical Christians that's turning people away from God. Yeah, it seems that, that Trump has surrounded himself with these bloodthirsty neocon Zionists. Uh, I saw Bolton tweeted something today basically threatening the duly elected government of Venezuela that if they if they don't acquiesce, then we'll be knocking down the door, basically. Yeah. Uh, just an out-and-out threat. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're expanding so, war from the Middle East to South America now. Exactly. And, 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 and then they have the audacity to say things like, you know, uh, Al-Qaeda is in Venezuela. We've we got to go fight <laughs> Al-Qaeda. Al- I mean, <laughs> it, it's hilarious, the excuses that these warmongers make for going to war. Uh, and of course, it's no coincidence that Venezuela is one of the richest nations in the world when it comes to uh, natural resources. They have one of the largest supplies of, of gold and natural gas and oil uh, reserves in the entire world. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's amazing that these nations we go to war with are always rich in natural resources. We never go to countries that don't have anything that we can take and, and make profits out of. Uh, so yeah, you know, Bolton has been a a, a war mongering, bloodthirsty Zionist for all of his career, and you know, you look at the people as you just said that that Trump has selected. You know, look at Nikki Haley. You know, she spent her entire tenure at the United Nations doing nothing but promoting and excusing Israel's military atrocities and. It's constant, incessant attacks against Syria and the, and the abuses uh, against the Palestinian people by the uh, IDF. She, she spent her entire two-year period promoting Israel's wars. And interestingly enough, the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin over in Israel has, has made Nikki Haley a, an honorary president of its organization of 70 nations that they've, that they've begun. That's uh, for those who are not familiar with that. That is a uh, Zionist attempt at creating a, 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 a new United Nations. They call it the Organization of Seventy Nations. And so Nikki Haley has been invited to be the honorary president of this organization by the Sanhedrin, by the Jewish Sanhedrin. Now wait a minute. I think I think 
I remember something about the Jewish Sanhedrin. Right. So you, <laughs> they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they, they put him on a cross, and they, they murdered and persecuted the apostles in the early church. And, and yet this, this Christian, Nick Haley, who proudly says she's a Christian, she's now the honorary head of the Sanhedrin's United Nations. <laughs> this is the kind of, of unbelievable duplicity and hypocrisy that's going on among evangelical Christians today, and, and the world looks at it and they say to themselves, you know, if that's Christianity, I'm out of here. Right. So they, they, they go in the opposite direction. Yeah, it, the old saying goes, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And we, we've quit standing on the Bible. The The thing that keeps coming to me is everybody says, God bless America. How can we expect God to bless this nation or any nation when they turn their back on him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I would say that the evangelical Christian pastors and TV evangelists and so forth, I think they're leading the way in turning America away from God. And, and of course, they claim that they are the last bastions of, of those that are bringing people to God. You know, that's how they see themselves. But in, 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 in reality, they're doing just the opposite. You know, let's face it, we, we have a, a prosperity gospel today. Mm-hmm. You don't hear them pick up your cross and follow me, you know, die to self, crucify yourself and follow me. You don't, you don't hear messages about the cost of discipleship and, and, and what it means to follow Christ and, and, and the, the hardship and the adversity and the persecution that we must endure as his followers and, and our our attitude through this kind of, of, of opposition. All we hear is, you know, God wants you to be rich and God wants you to have a big house and a big car and have rings on every finger and diamonds and, you know, you buy your wife a Rolls Royce and, you know, all you hear is, is prosperity, prosperity, prosperity. Dr. Baldwin will continue to address my question on how can we expect God to bless any nation that turns its back on him, and much more when we return. And before the break, I had asked Dr. Baldwin how anyone could expect God to bless their nation when they turn their backs on him. You, you add that to, you know, the wars for Israel and sacrificing America's well-being and the well-being of Christian people around the world, especially in the Middle East. I mean, stop and think about it. I've been to the Middle East, and I've... I've I've preached in churches over there in Israel. I've I've, I've met the people over there. I've, I've visited the, all the typical places that you go, and and I've I've got out into the streets and the villages, and you know, talked to people one on one. And I got to tell you that many of the Palestinian people that are being persecuted by Israel, the IDF and its military, are dedicated sweet precious christian people i mean some of the some of the most precious kindest loving christian people i've ever met are palestinian christians and when we talk about you know israel launching its missile attacks in syria and launching its 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 barrage of military 
firepower against the Palestinian people in Gaza and, and in, in Palestine, you are talking about many times Christian people, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And they are being tortured, they are being brutalized, they are being murdered, they are being put in unbelievable concentration camps, prison, for nothing more than trying to live a normal life in their own homes and in their own towns and their own communities. And these evangelical Christians are supporting, they're giving millions and billions of dollars to Israel to continue their military atrocities against their brothers and sisters in Christ, the Palestinian Christians. As, as people see this, I mean, as, as people see this, and when you get outside the, you know, the propaganda uh, mediums, the Fox News and these evangelical television programs and all these, you know, ACLJ fundraising letters and APAC and all these Zionist lobby organizations that are propagandizing for the murderous state of Israel, when you get beyond that and you and, and you see objective truth and objective reality, you, you realize what's going on. You realize the heinousness of it. You realize the barbarity of it. You realize the the unscriptionalness of it. And then you say to yourself, "You wait a minute. I'm I, I'm a Christian and I'm I'm supporting this." Uh, and, and people that are not Christians say, "Wait a minute. You're a Christian and you're supporting that." I mean, when when these evangelical Christians if they are truly saved, if they are going to heaven. When when they get to heaven, what are they going to say to all these poor Palestinian Christians and the Arab Christians in Syria? There's a lot of Arab Christians in Syria. There's, there's a lot of Christians throughout that Middle Eastern region. I have missionary friends that work over there in that part of the world, and they, they see it firsthand all the time. And they talk about these things, and they know what's going on. And I talk to them quite regularly. We communicate back and forth about what's happening in the Middle East. And they, they see the, the lies. And, and what are these evangelical Christians going to say? What's John Hagee going to say? What are these guys going to say when they meet the, 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 the Arab Christians, the Palestinian Christians, that they, the, these evangelicals, have willingly, enthusiastically persecuted, killed, maimed, taken their families you know, blown their limbs off. The what in the world are these American evangelical Christians going to say to these Arab Palestinian Christians in the Middle East when they see them in heaven and they realize what they did and what they allowed and encouraged Israel, a Christ rejecting government, to do to these to these good people? And man, I tell you, it it it, it it is a chilling thought to, to visualize that that meeting in eternity. But in the in the meantime, instead of drawing people to a God of love and a God of peace and a God of of mercy and, and a God who loves all people equally and, and who loves the the Arabs as much as he loves the Jews and he loves the the Palestinians as much as he loves the uh, the people of Israel, and he, and he loves the people in, in Russia as much as he loves the people in America. And he, and God is no respecter person. He died for the world. He loves the world. And he, 
he's given us a, a code of conduct, even as nations in natural law, on how we are to conduct ourselves among the nations of the world. And, and we're violating every single principle of the Bible, every single principle of natural law. And people are, I think, sick of it. And that's why I believe they are headed in the opposite direction theologically. And they're returning their backs on Christianity. And they are looking for their answers in, of course, places that have no answers. But but they're not they're not seeing anything that's attractive about evangelical Christianity. And quite frankly, I can't blame them. Uh, I agree completely, Dr. Baldwin. Well, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for being a guest here on Power of Prophecy. I, I could keep you on for another 30 minutes. I just love talking with you, and, and I hope you'll come back again. I'd love to do it. Thank you very much, Jerry. Have a great day. I appreciate being on your program. Thank you so much. God bless you, Dr. Baldwin. Thank you. God bless you.